For the curious. 26 minutes before 9 o'clock, you are with the Karima Brown Show this evening. My name is Clement Manyatela in for Karima. Let's look at this interesting um, story now. A history professor and author released a book unraveling the story of African civilization. She realized there wasn't enough material reflecting positive things about black children in Africa. And then she started creating a decolonized history of Africa for children through books. Her book is titled In Africa with Avi and Kumbi, and it's about the history on the continent and of this continent that is a starting point for what will ultimately be a series of decolonial books on Africa from her uh, Papamani children's literature imprint. What an incredible project. And Dr. Nomalang Mkiza, the author and the history professor, joins us on the line now. Uh, Dr. Mkiza, thank you so much for your time. Welcome to the Karima Brown Show. Hi, thanks. When did you realize the importance of working on creating the decolonized con- content on African history for children? Well, actually, we began in about 2011 when we started writing with some friends of mine, mm. children's material in African languages. And we worked with a newspaper in KZN where um, we, we basically produced a, a comic uh, traditional children's comic and some of the content in there would either be science or general knowledge or historical stuff or just fun stuff and so from that around 20 it, it was the end of 2014 around 2015 i we were then thinking about actually pulling some of the history stuff and actually making it a completely different pro- uh, self-dating project mm. and obviously that was informed all of that by the fact that we could see that out there in the so-called world of learning in South Africa, um, the image of a of a black child not represented as one that is advancing thinking, knowledge, and curiosity, and so you know, so it was in that broad way that we sort of finally came around to this idea that mm. we wanted to do something around history. Yeah. So yeah. No, yeah, I teach history and one of the struggles I've had um, at university is that we never introduced very yeah. broadly to first years. Yeah, Dr. Mkiza, sorry to interrupt yeah. you there, but the line is mm. breaking a little bit. I'm going to ask you to please move around so that we can try okay, and sure. get a better network. But that, that's quite interesting. And and I yeah. think the, the issue here is that for the longest time as well, our history in schools has started with the arrival of the colonial settlers, if you will. How far back do you go in the books in telling the stories of Africa? Well, let's just say that the colonialists in my book are like on the last couple of pages. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, obviously I don't want to diminish that particular epoch, um, mm. but even where I represent it, I'm representing resistance as well, <laughs> much mm. more than I'm representing the Europeans per se. Um, but the book is essentially a history of Africa that begins by sort of situating the child in the fact that all humans come from Africa. And even though we don't start with uh, human evolution, um, but we, we basically talk about the migration of African families out of Africa and the fact that we know all of these things by just using archaeology, looking at old rock paintings, and just the environment around us. And then I go into the history of gathering and hunting, uh, livestock herding cattle and the significance of cattle, 
um, and then off into agriculture and the rise of the various civilizations and um, yeah, obviously yeah. beginning in North Africa, Nubia, Egypt, going down into West and Central Africa, and then eventually we get right down to the Southern Africa. Yeah, and I think what's also interesting yeah, so about the the books is that you also include innovation and technology on the continent, even before the settlers got here. How important is that to reflect? Because there are people that have been pushing this narrative that the colonizers got here and then boom, Africa was on the path of greatness. Mm. I mean, even people like Helen Zilla have gone out and tweeted about mm. the benefits of colonialism as though um, there was never innovation, you know, yeah. to, to the to the high extent and even techno- technological advance, advancement um, as well. So how, in, how, how important is it that you also include that part of the African um, history in this book? So in this book, um, the main uh, focus of Africa is actually around trade and mineral smelting, gold mining, gold trade that has happened over the past, uh, that has happened over thousands of years. Mm. Um, one of the things around the issue of innovation is actually that the, 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 the debate is very much defined by the way in which people today understand innovation. So as a matter of fact, in this book, I decided to omit the discussion around innovation so that in the Mm. book that we're working on now, so we're actually working on the follow-up book where we're just focusing on the African origins of human innovation. Mm. Because what happened with this book was it was going to be so difficult to pack that in as well as with the political history. So what we did was we wove into the narrative a kind of what I call a story that normalizes Africa as being a critical uh, element of world um, trade and exchange. And in that, one of the key things is the development of metallurgy and, the, and, and Africans trading in, in, in key minerals throughout the ancient epoch, which of course led to the wealth and rise of the um, West African states like uh, uh, Timbuktu, Mali, enabling a whole culture of learning there to develop in the Middle Ages, sort of while, you know, Europe was going through the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the, the, in fact, in this, so in this book, I try to weave elements in, in such a way that um, it's about um, normalizing the story of Africans. And then I realized that we need to pull aside a story of innovation so that we can go much deeper into the roots of technological thinking on the African continent. Mm. So children are also exposed to a lot of false narratives or even limited Mm -hmm. information about Africa, be it on television or in their history classes. How will your book help change that false picture that they may know about the continent, including the stereotypes that come with it? Mm -hmm. Well, in the first instance, this book has created... um, to basically to normalize Africa. Yeah. <laughs> I could only put it like that. Mm. That Africa mustn't be understood as some exotic marginal element of world history, which only activates when Europeans arrive in the 1400s. That Africa is in fact central to many global dynamics because it is in fact um, the, the, the origins not only of human, early humans and early human families, but also because many of the first world civilizations flourished here. So the book is meant to say to kids, this is the story of Africa. Mm. You don't have to apologize for it. Helen Zilla can say what she wants to say, mm. but she, if she wants to contend, she must contend on the basis of fact. This is fact. 
And that was actually quite a tricky thing for me because I was very aware of the climate that uh, people like Zilla and others have, have created um, in the country and also just globally with the rise of the right wing. Mm. And so the issue was to I create a, a, a story that is so super playful or do I sort of try and um, mix elements and wait the, 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 and just give weight to the information? And so we went sort of for this first version, this first edition, to just try to anchor the kids in authoritative information so that they aren't feeling like, oh, I'm not really sure. It's like it is a fact that cathedrals in the Middle Ages were laced with gold from Africa, mm. that Europeans had to trade and trade and trade in order to access that mm. African gold. That is a fact. So in the last, yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting fact. So in the last pages of of, of the book, then where you start discussing, you know, the mm-hmm. arrival of colonizers, what kind of content are you expressing in the book when it comes to yeah. colonization? Are, are you speaking to the kids about and explaining what colonization has done to the continent? What kind yeah. of elements are you exploring there? So what I had to do, I had to revise the book a couple of times just to try and give kids a good sense of time and chronology. The first is I begin with um, sugar, <laughs> because the slave trade arose from mm. um, the sugar trade. And um, also you needed to give kids a sense that there was all this trade happening in Africa. So by the time Europeans arrived, yeah. they were sort of looking to trade. And then also they realized, hey, we can start trading in slaves here because we want to plant sugar in our plantations in the 1400s. So I tried to start that section by just saying, look, once upon a time, there was not much sugar on the planet, but now we live with sugar every day. How did this happen? Well, it happened because Europeans discovered sugar uh, for themselves. They take a taste for sugar, not sugar itself, but a taste for sugar. Then they wanted to grow it, and then they decided to grow it in the Americas, and then they needed labor. And so they just thought, well, what's the easiest way to get labor? Why don't we just look to West Africa because it's directly across, um, you know, the Americas. So I have to explain to, 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 the, to the kids to contextualize them in that history. Mm. So it was the history of sugar that is intimately tied to the history of slavery. And then once these people enslaved Africans, um, of course, then, you know, it led to other forms such as colonization later on. Mm. But in the middle of that, I have to show that Africans resisted the entire way through. Mm-hmm. You see, yeah. so we have Harris, and we have to add in the diaspora there. Um, Haitian Revolution is, is represented. All these things, so the kids don't um, have this. Um, I, do, I don't like it when kids have a, a, a story that just doesn't have a context. Yeah. Colonization came out of early capitalism, that came out of sugar. I don't use these words in the book. But kids will then go, oh, so that's where sugar came from. Mm. Oh, that's why Africans were, were enslaved. Yeah. And so that, it was after slavery that they then colonized us. So, um, so that's how I framed the story. I, I realized that I needed to start with sugar yeah. after a couple of revisions. And then that explains why Europeans were interested in Africans. Mm. And so that, I think, seems to work. Um, I mean, that is the history anyway. Yeah. And then, you know, through that, you can then bring out the story of resistance and the people that resist colonial, colonialism, um, yeah, so there's a there's a page in there that we we added around uh, the Belgian Congo, just representing um, the figure of the King of Leopold of Belgium, saying, "I want this 
part of Africa all to myself, you know, so that kids can see that this is what colonialism is. It's someone saying, I want that whole piece of territory for myself, and mm. I'll just use it for myself. And that's just done in a very simple way, but it's very effective uh, for, way, for, for kids to understand how people come to colonize whole peoples and whole terrains. Yeah, and working, I mean, take us through that process of also working on this book. Did you have that artistic independence? Because I imagine sometimes when mm. you rely a lot on funders, there may be some level of interference. Mm. You know, um, there's a couple of things. You know, it was a very difficult process, I have to say. I don't mm. know. Now that you, you know, you, you do something and then you look back and you think, oh my gosh, how did I do that? Um, <laughs> Because you're you're balancing not just the um, the fact that this has to be done, but you're thinking how will different people how would different people receive it? And I think from the outset, I've always decided that I don't want to work with funding that means I lose control, and that's why it has taken so long for this thing to to be finished. Because along the way, every now and again, people pay interest in this kind of thing, but then they want. You know, you you know they want to control the majority of the work, and then you're like, but that can't work. This is my idea, and mm. I, you know, I, I'm the one that has a conception of how to try and convey this stuff. So in the end, we went without funding for quite a, lo- a while, and then eventually we found a grassroots funder here in the Eastern Cape who was willing to fund without interference at all. Yeah. They just fund for certain things, like you know, to help us to improve our you know artistic training or something. But they don't tell us about the content, and I wouldn't have gone with them. It's very important to say that uh, you know I've been in the education sort of sector activism for about ten years now, and from the outset I understood that, especially if you deal with overseas charity and overseas philanthropy, you're never going to be independent. Yeah. I have a lot of experience with that, with um, especially when you're dealing with a literacy sector, which is very very dominated in actual fact by. Um, what I might just say very plainly are sort of very liberal, white type, you know, overly paternalistic people. And they think they're doing favors for the black child by doing literacy. And I'm just like, no, we have our own traditions of learning. We don't need to be patronized. And um, I kind of take that black consciousness thing very seriously, that if we can't do it for ourselves, then we're failing. So we had to do this. Oh, that's incredible, man. Dr. Nomalang Amkiza, look, thank you so much for your time. Thank you also for just working on this incredible project. I mean, that's one material that is definitely important that parents would have to get if they want their kids to understand um, their continent and and hear the stories being told also by people from their continent to understand the context Mm -hmm. as well. Thank you so much for your time. Dr. Nomalang Amkiza is the author of In Africa with Avi and Kumbi. No, live, transform. This is 702. This is 702. For the curious. So there is hope, hey? There is really hope. I mean, when I go back to the kind of history that I was taught in primary, in high school, it's nothing compared to what I've come to learn myself um, in my adult stage now. And I always think, geez, I wish I had an opportunity to also um, learn some of these things when I was still in my early stages of my life. But also remember the Department of Education at one point also established a task team that was expected to overhaul the history curriculum to make it more Afrocentric and even relevant to the South African learners. So let's get an update now um, from Elijah Mklanga, who is the spokesperson for the Department of Education. Elijah, thanks for your time. Welcome to the Karima Brown Show.
Yeah, Kenan, good evening. Thank you so much for having us. Mm. Yeah, speak to us about um, that task team that was established. Um, if I remember very well, that was sometime in December, if I'm not mistaken. How far are the task team members with completing that overhaul of the curriculum? Well, they're busy with it uh, because remember the first task of that particular team was to do research and you know, do surveys and uh, talk to people to establish if we can make history compulsory and also to establish if there are any areas in that curriculum that we need to strengthen. Mm. And one of the recommendations there was that we, we, we do need to rewrite the curriculum and that African history needs to be given depth and breath. Uh, and, and make sure that uh, it, 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 uh, it gives us uh, a better story than what we have now. So the minister reappointed that task team to now start the actual work of writing. So that's what we are doing now. And uh, we, we, we hope that um, they will make the progress that we expect, expect them to make and, uh, and that by 2021 the books should be in schools. Yeah, well, so so by 2021, that's the target of when you're expecting this overhaul to be completed and the content to finally uh, be on the shelves. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Have, have, have you been yeah. receiving any response, though, um, Elijah, from the schools? Uh, I'm trying to understand what informed the minister's decision to finally take this decision to appoint the task team to overhaul the curriculum. Did you get any response from the schools about how unhappy perhaps teachers were about the kind of content um, that they find in African history books? Yeah, well, there had been concerns from uh, organized uh, teachers uh, who approached the minister of our period and they engaged there saying that we needed to revisit the content that is been taught in schools. And uh, after a long time of deliberations, the minister felt that it was important for her to uh, put in place a team that will do a, a job that will inform uh, decisions. And uh, people like Dr. Nomalanga Mkhize were some of those people that uh, agitated for for such change to take place. That's why she's now a part of that task team. And I think the work that she's doing now, which she was busy sharing with you, the continuation of what had already started even before we approached her to be part of the task team. So it's, it's quite exciting uh, because a lot of people have welcomed the report that was uh, given to the minister, but when they heard that uh, the minister had appointed that task team to to rewrite the curriculum, there was a lot of positive response from people, our teachers and learners. And uh, universities also responded in a similar way because they are teaching it and it will also give opportunities to those students at university who have taken history. As a major, mm. and and in terms of you know the levels of schooling, um, are you looking at once this curriculum has been this overhaul of the curriculum is completed, um, is this the content that is not o- that is only going to affect you know learners that are in secondary high schools, or are you going to you know start introducing similar lessons also at the foundation phase of the uh, schooling uh, service? Well, the rewriting affects all our grades where history is offered. You know that in primary school, it's, uh, it, it's social sciences, and, uh, and when you go up the grade, then it becomes a standalone subject. So even at that level, 
the the content will be revised so that it reflects um, the African story and uh, tells it as we feel it should be told, as opposed to what we have at the moment. So, from primary school right up, right up until grade twelve. The content will be revised, and that's what the team is doing now. Yeah, and and just lastly, um, Elijah, how far back do you envisage as a department? I mean, I imagine that you want the task team to go and do the work of overhauling the curriculum and come back to you and say, okay, this is what we think will be the relevant content for the South African learners. But what do you envisage as the department? How far back do you want them to go? I mean, I was speaking to Dr. Mkise there, who has written this children's book that is decolonized in terms of its content um, on the African continent. And and she's saying she's gone way back. She didn't just start with um, the settling of the colonizers. Um, you know, he's gone way back. Is that something that the department wants to see? Um, where the history starts right way back? Exactly. That's what we want to do. If you read the report, it talks about prehistory. Mm. So it, it goes very far back because some of the things that you are reading about Vasco da Gama discovering this and that, it's false because those places were already there and some level of technology was already there. It wasn't brought by the colonizers. They found something, subjugated the people, overcame them, overpowered them, took their land and whatever, whatever, and then they wrote the story as if they um, they created, you know, the, the 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 people and the stories that that are now being told, which is not the case. So we go as far back as possible because there were people even before the colonizers arrived, and some of those people, their stories are there, they are hidden. And we feel that it's about time that it's given prominence so that Africans can be proud of their heroes who existed uh, many, many years ago, even before the colonizers arrived. Yeah, Department of Education spokesperson Elijah Mplanga, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I wonder what you make eh, um, of this incredible work that Dr. Um, Nomalangam Kize is doing. I mean, I, I wish, in fact... <laughs> that I would buy as many books as I can and distribute it to as many children as I can because I think it's so important that children, especially at that foundation phase, get to understand the history of the continent. And that's going to help in building their character and making them proud um, of who they are and making them proud of their characteristics, making them proud of their history, their resilience as well that comes with being an African. And, and and I wonder what you make of that. Give me a call on 011-883-0702. It's about time. The Department of Education is also um, jumped in on the bandwagon. They've put together a task team that is going to look at um, overhauling the curriculum and the content. They're expecting it by 2021, and it will be distributed and, and, and will be taught at various levels of schooling from primary I'm up to high school. 011-883-0702. Three minutes before nine o'clock.